Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Welcome, my listening friends, to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and I welcome you also on behalf of Elder David Wise. We are so very thankful that you've tuned in to listen today. Hopefully you're a return listener, but if you're a first-time listener, we pray that it will be a happy habit that you will tune in and join us for the study of God's Word continually every Sunday morning. You can also go to our website that services this broadcast. It's gospel-of-grace. Dot com. You'll find archived messages, frequently asked questions, a church locator, articles, and uh, we encourage you to email us uh, by way of that website and let us know that you're listening. If you have questions, concerns, or uh, praise or complaint, we'll be glad to hear from you. That's gospel-of-grace.com. Uh, today, we would like to bring for you a message uh, regarding Nevertheless, God. Regarding a Lord who is able to do good and often does do good unto us in spite of what we deserve. So, after this hymn, we'll be right back with today's message.
Thank you, dear listening friends, for staying tuned here with us to the Gospel of Grace Radio broadcast. I'm Joe Nettles, and I'm turned in my Bible to Psalm 49. Now, if you remember last time I tried to speak with you here on the radio broadcast, it was regarding the word nevertheless. Now, nevertheless is something we just don't pay very much attention to, but it is a very powerful word. Nevertheless, in the scriptures and definitely in these passages of scripture that I've been trying to deal with here in this little series, basically means buckle up, there's a plot twist, or in spite of, or no matter what you just conclusion you just drew from everything that you read and everything you've known, nevertheless, God has a surprise for you, a happy ending, a joyful expression. So nevertheless is a, a, uh, a hinge. It's a hinge, my friends, uh, that means that a door that you perceived is closed forever. And nevertheless, the Lord has that on a hinge and he'll open it wide open for his children. It's a wonderful, wonderful Lord that we serve. We thank God for such words as nevertheless. So we go to Psalm 49. We're going to look at another use of nevertheless. And in verse 10, we begin reading in Psalm 49. For he seeth that wise men die. Likewise, the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Now, what is being described here? Uh, my friends, it is just the reveling and the prosperity and the joy. I say joy. Let me say happiness of the wicked in being wicked. They're prideful and they are, uh, they think themselves such an uh, institution. They think themselves so indispensable that they name their lands after themselves and they are lifted up in pride. It reminds me of Nebuchadnezzar uh, when he walked out, looked out upon Babylon and claimed that, oh, look at all this that I have done for my glory in my kingdom. Well, my friends, there's a nevertheless. And sometimes we can get very discouraged when we see the prosperity of the wicked. Many times we see that we're trying hard to pay our taxes. We're trying hard to support our families. We're praying. We're getting up and getting ready and going to public worship and trying to be an encourager and trying to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And we bend over backwards and we uh, have given up promotions and we've given up raises because it meant that we were going to have to work during Sundays and we wouldn't be able to attend church like we want to. And we just marvel sometimes, a little jealously maybe, at how the wicked just step on one another and they advance and they make more money and they buy more boats and they have more houses and they have better vacations and all of those things. And uh, it can rend your heart when you live here in this world. But yet we have a nevertheless for that. In verse 12, nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. Oh, my friends, the president of the United States, whoever he may be, he's only going to be in honor for a little while. Men will just remember him for a little while. And some presidents like we've had lately will be glad to quickly forget. Uh, so, Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He is like the beasts that perish. This their way is their folly, yet their posterity approve their sayings. Selah. And what he's saying here is that they are no more than brute beasts. Why? Because the wicked, uh, now don't get me wrong, not all wealthy people are wicked. 
A lot of wealthy people bend over backwards to do uh, secret alms continually, trying to help other people. Abraham became very wealthy. Uh, my friends, uh, we see David was very wealthy. Solomon was very wealthy. And these were uh, born-again children of God, and they're in heaven right now. But the problem is uh, they let their wealth get a hold of them and their own honor get in the way of their service to the Lord. So not all wealthy people are wicked. But yet, my friends, the wicked seem to be able to glean more money, more power, more wealth, because they don't have any uh they don't have any compunction of their spirit to prevent them from doing these things to other people. Uh, their way is in their folly, yet their posterity approve their saying. Salah means the only good they're ever going to see is what they're seeing now in their own ways. But trust me, friends, the word of God tells us about the brevity of time here. This time, even though we look at things and in, in, uh, think about millennia of time, Yet to God, it's just a moment of time. To God, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. And guess what? When he decides to bring this world and universe to a close, uh, such timelessness will also be ours as his children. And we will, without uh, limitations of time, we will be able to enjoy great felicity and love and joy and happiness forevermore in glory. So we need to look to that and take heart and know that the wicked don't get away with anything. If they don't pay for it here in this time world, they will pay for it before the bar of divine justice and forevermore thereafter in perdition. Uh, let's look at another text that points to this. Psalm 17, verse 13 reads, Arise, O Lord, disappoint him. Cast him down. Deliver my soul from the wicked, which is thy sword. From men which are thy hand, O Lord, from men of the world which have their portion in this life. Now, when he says, deliver my soul from the wicked, which is thy sword, it means one of two things. Either there are times that we know that God has suffered wicked things to touch his beloved elect people, uh, simply to try them, to mold them, uh, to test them, as it were, uh, so that they will be stronger and more pure of dross on the other side. Or what he means from the soul from my soul, from the wicked, which is thy sword, he means those who are appointed to the judgment of the Lord, the sword, so to speak. Um, we carry on reading. From men, which are thy hand, O Lord, from men of the world, which have their portion in this life, and whose belly thou fillest with thy hid treasures. They are full of children. They leave the rest of their substance to their babes. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Let's make a comparison there. You've got a wicked person who has more money than you for just a little while. You have a wicked person who uh, people maybe uh, hold up and put on a pedestal more than you for a little while. Uh, you have the wicked people uh, who tend to have it easier as far as a burden of conscience because they have no conscience that's been moved by the Spirit of God. And they're able to move freely and they're able to step on people and they don't have uh, times when they stay awake at night with guilty conscience. No, but they only do that for a little while. But as the psalmist David said, as for me, as for the righteous, nevertheless, I 
will behold thy face, O Lord, in righteousness. What does that mean? It means I will be at that last day covered with the totality of your righteousness. I will behold your face, which is righteous, and you will behold my face, Lord, that you have chosen to make righteous through your imputed righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Oh, friends, that's a beautiful nevertheless. Don't get discouraged over the wicked in this world. Don't get discouraged at people who hate and who are full of spite uh, and uh, who love to argue and fuss and fight. No, my friends, you just remember that nevertheless. All their little so-called happiness is just a little while. But friends, we trust in the Lord who's going to give us everlasting joy in that wonderful world called heaven one day. Let's look at another usage, if you will. We go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, and we're going to begin reading in verse 4. Luke chapter 5, verse 4. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep. So here Simon has toiled all night long fishing, has caught nothing. Here, as he's getting ready to wrap up his night shift, so to speak, here comes the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, has him to row him out uh, a bit from the shore so that he might preach to the people. So Simon, very respectfully, uh, does so. He willingly takes this as he knew him to be a rabbi, a teacher among the Jews. He took him out there respectfully and allowed him to preach a discourse and a wonderful discourse. All right. But now as they come back to the shore, the Lord says, launch out into the deep. Now in those days, uh, the fish and that sea were caught in the shallows, not in the deep. And so Peter probably rolling his eyes here a little bit and saying, oh, he knows a lot about preaching, but he doesn't know anything about fishing. Well, Peter was about to learn, not only does this man know about fishing, he knows about fish, he knows about water, he knows about all time, he knows about everything because he is the creator of this universe. But yet he was about to find this out. Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have told all the night and have taken nothing. But notice the respect and the honor that Peter was just willing to show this man, considering him just to be a rabbi. Oh, he's about to see him as much more than just a rabbi. He says, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now, let me tell you something. If you had worked all night long and you were exhausted and you were wet, I'll tell you, being out on that water, maybe working hard all night long, maybe you're a little chafed. Uh, maybe you, you know, you're very weary, you're hungry, and you're discouraged because you fished all night long and you caught nothing. It'd be like going to the factory and working all night long and them telling you, well, we decided not to pay you anything tonight. Now, exactly how willing would you be to obey the word of this rabbi? Friends, unfortunately, many times we as the disciples of Christ fail to see that many times in the ways that we act and the ways that we speak, uh, in the, the apathy of our lives, we fail to heed the very word of the creator of the universe, the savior of our souls, the Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. He said, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Friends, I want this nevertheless lesson to be a lesson to you to realize that the word of the Lord will always, always prosper us. Now, there are multiple passages of scripture in the word of God, 
and multiple reasons in the Word of God that we can point and say that the Word of God is not for every human being because many will cast it behind them. Many will hate it. They will despise it. Now, if they would choose to just live according to the precepts of the Ten Commandments or the moral aspects of the law, even though they may not have the Spirit of God within them, if they were to just live a, a good, honorable, a clean, moral life, okay, that would be better for society. It would be better for their households. Uh, friends, there are times past when you know, we saw that law and order was fitted upon the word of God, that the people uh, were withheld from being the dregs of society. They could have been simply based upon the morality that they had been taught by their parents and had been uh, expected of them in society. Many of them were not born again children of God. They didn't love the Lord, uh, but yet they were afraid to break those moral precepts uh, for the uh, consequences of those actions, and society as a whole was better off for it. But you see where we are now. Uh, my friends, even people claiming the name of Christ don't want to live according to his word. Many people claiming the name of Christ say, well, you know, we've got a better way. Uh, it should be just right for a man to marry a man and a woman to marry a woman. Well, God forbid. That is contrary to the Word of God, both in the Old and the New Testament. It is contrary to science. It is contrary to nature. It is an abomination unto God. And many people claiming the name of Christ now say, well, it's perfectly okay for us to ordain women uh, into the ministry. And I'm going to tell you what, I don't doubt that there are many men, women in this world that are far more spiritual and smarter than I am. And I'd venture to say many of them know the word of God better than I do, but that's not the point. The point is, my friends, that God has set an order. He set an order in nature. He set an order in the church. He set order in salvation. And he uh, has commanded us to respect that order. So therefore, uh, many people said, well, we know better than God. We're a little desperate for men, so we'll just start, or start ordaining women to the ministry in the pulpit. Friends, God forbid, that is contrary to the word of God. And now they've just combined two uh, uh, disorders, two rebellions in one. And now they're starting to take openly living sodomites and ordaining them to the pulpit. That is just thumbing your nose at God. And if anybody under the sound of my voice is among a people, uh, among a religious order that would do that, I strongly encourage you right now to reject them, repent of following their errant ways, and follow the word of Christ. Go and find yourself a body of believers who have a heart and desire to say, nevertheless, Lord, at thy word, even though your word is not convenient to live by in this life, even though your word may uh, face uh, terrible uh, lying challenges from the scientific community, even though, Lord, your word has been spit upon, your word has been disrespected. Uh, I'll tell you, the King James translation is what I believe to, to study out of. I believe it's the very best English version of the word of God. And now uh, it's not even the best selling word of God anymore. People are embracing uh, uh, translations that come from corrupt uh, texts and uh, corrupt uh, uh, translators. And I, it discourages me. Uh, but you, you've got to be willing to say, nevertheless, Lord, at thy word, I will obey you. I will crave you and I will follow what your word says. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we'll begin reading in verse 16. Paul wrote to Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's all scripture. 
Now, most certainly the scripture he was referring to is the Old Testament text. That was scripture to them in that day. Plus, Jesus Christ had revealed unto them, I'm trying to preach a series uh, of sermons at Sulphur Springs where I pastor right now, uh, regarding how the Lord uh, promised and inspired and equipped the apostles to be able to, by the inspiration of the Spirit of God, write the canon of New Testament scriptures. So scripture, is all scripture, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. That means it will never lead you astray. It will never make you unprofitable. Now, am I saying it's going to fill your bank account? Some prosperity uh, word of faith type preachers nowadays will tell you that if you follow the word of God, undoubtedly your bank account will be full. I do not find that promise in the word of God. No, I do find that we will be persecuted. I do find that in Hebrews, the apostle Paul commended the Hebrew brethren and that they took the spoiling of their goods and they took it joyfully. See, uh, what we gain from serving the Lord Jesus Christ is not monetary, not fiduciary. It's not mammon. It's not filthy lucre. It is a peace and a joy and a power in the Holy Spirit of God that we feel within our hearts and minds and soul and spirit. So here he said, it's always profitable. In that respect, it is always profitable. If you're burning at the stake alive, it is profitable to not recant the word of God because you honor your Lord. And I guarantee you, he's got in store for you a better resurrection. Friends, if you lose everything this world has to offer, you can never lose Christ, believer in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You can't lose Christ. Oh, my friends, he has you engraven in the palm of his hands and thy walls are continually before him. So follow his word. This word is his love letter to you. And even though the world may say it's old, it's fuddy-duddy, and uh, it's ridiculous, and it's fables and things of that nature, I'm going to tell you the happiest, most peaceful, and peace-loving people that have ever lived upon the face of this earth have been lovers of the word of God and did everything they could to adhere unto it, even though the world raged against them. And it will. The world will rage against you if you hold to this word. It's profitable. For doctrine, that means for learning of the truth of God. For reproof, that means when you get out of the way, it'll get you back in the way. Uh, for correction, after you get back in the right way, it'll keep you in the right way. You'll know the path to walk. And for instruction in righteousness, it will tell you the proper way to live without so that you can show people that Jesus dwells within. See, all of these things are in the word of God. And I'll give you a little side note. Some people come knocking your, your door and say that you can't just read the Bible. You've got to have this literature that one of our prophets gave to read with the word of God. Otherwise, you'll descend into great darkness. I even had some people intimate that you would descend into hell if you just tried to follow the word of God. And I'm going to tell you, those people are blasphemers and they're heretics. And I love them for Christ's sake, but I despise what they spread. And I'm here to tell you, if they come knocking upon your door in love, you tell them the word of God is enough for me. Nevertheless, Lord, at thy word, I'll let down my net. Uh, this word is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And I don't need anything else. Oh, I may read the writings of historic of history. I may read the writings and commentaries of good, wise, and sage men, but I'll tell you I'll not allow any of those teachings by any worldly institution to trump and to negate the word of God, for it is profitable always that the man of God may be perfect. That means mature, whole, truly furnished unto all good works. You having trouble in your family? The word of God is what you need. 
You're having trouble with forgiveness? The Word of God is what you need. You're having trouble uh, with peace in your heart? The Word of God is what you need. You have a guilt over sin? The Word of God will tell you what to do, and that is to repent and confess those to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote this Timothy, he showed forth all confidence in the Word of God. Very quickly, I go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. And I read, now here he's teaching about uh, people of faith being justified by faith. And notice, he, he talks about the promise. The promise that we receive as believers is only based upon the promise that God made to Jesus Christ and him alone. See, Jesus willingly came to pay for our sins. God placed those sins upon him and in, in safe keep with Jesus Christ to actually come and bleed and die for our sins. So my friends, he is the one. Uh, the buck stops with Jesus Christ. The buck doesn't stop with us. We only believe as an evidence that he's done that for us. You see, we don't believe to get into that atoning work. No, that atoning work, my friends, took place 2,000 years ago, and the blood was been shed. The Word of God calls it uh, the, the shedding of the blood of redemption, even forgiveness of sins. So that's been done once. Uh, he hath perfected forever, for one, one time, once, all those who are sanctified in him, so says Hebrews. So... That's what's under consideration in Galatians chapter 3. And now he's going to make the distinction between seeds, plural, and seed, singular. He says, looking back to Abraham, now how did Paul know about Abraham? Primarily he knew about him from the word of God, the preserved, inspired word of God. Now by this time, Abraham had been dead hundreds and hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of years, okay? But Paul reinforced this concept of believing that the word of God is perfect. It's a thorough furnisher and his defense of the accuracy and dependability of the preserved word of God. And he did this by this passage of scripture. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not and to seeds as of many, but as of one and to thy seed, which is Christ. You see a very important theological argument right there. The apostle Paul addressed and he did it by having utmost confidence in the inspired and preserved word of God. He is saying the word of the Old Testament that we have in this day, and that was 2,000 years ago, which, by the way, is the exact same Hebrew Bible and text that we have in the King James translation even today. Go look it up. You'll find it to be true. It says here, he makes the difference, the distinction. He said the, the promise is not resting on seeds, many, but he said there's one seed. See, he rests this argument upon one single letter of one word, the difference between seed and seeds. Now, if he didn't have confidence that the word of God was true and right, you know, that would have kind of rang hollow, as it were. But he posited this with the understanding and with the teaching and the things, if we believe the Apostle Paul, then we ought to believe it, that the Word of God is a thorough furnisher. It is not lacking. We're not waiting for the Word of God to become whole. No, it is everything that God has inspired and preserved for us to have. And one day when heaven's world is opened up, we will see its perfection. Praise God. Oh, friends, I hope you've enjoyed this message regarding the little word, nevertheless. And until we're able to speak with you again on such august and wonderful and spiritual subjects, may the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.
If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15 just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the grace of Jesus.